Welcome back, everyone, to the second hour of Real Presence Live on a Thursday. Father James Gross, a priest of the Diocese of Fargo, joining us, joining you today. Uh, Father Leffer is unable to be with us today. He's working a uh, women's retreat, one of a series of four women's retreats that he is providing at our Maryvale Retreat Center outside of Valley City. There is uh, more um, information available on those retreats. I believe the website is maryvalend.org in order to um, uh, reference the schedule of upcoming retreats in a number of different things. In fact, I'll give a uh, plug for the Worldwide Marriage Encounter that I'm going to be participating in on the weekend of March 22nd through 24th. That's Palm Sunday weekend, hosted at Maryvale Retreat Center along the beautiful uh, Cheyenne River, just on the north side of Valley City. And uh, there are lots of different events that take place there. Speaking of events, uh, the Eucharistic Revival is bringing a a whole bunch of things happening on the local diocesan and national level and we have with us there in the Fargo studio a guest who's going to be visiting with us about things from his perspective in the Diocese of Crookston Bob Noel please uh, um, welcome back to Real Presence Live thanks thanks for having me on this morning uh, give us a little bit of an introduction in uh, to yourself um, maybe a little bit about uh, your background and uh, the work that you're currently doing for the church yeah so I um I was a classroom teacher for 23 years and uh, almost a little over five years ago just felt a a call a real call to um, diocesan ministry and um, and uh, it was the, the the word evangelization would come. Uh, to my heart when I would uh, sit during adoration and uh, during Mass. And, um, uh, and a position opened up at the Diocese of Crookston uh, about six years ago when I applied for it and um, haven't looked back. It's, it's, been a, it's been just a beautiful journey. And so um, I'm a member over at St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Moorhead and I uh, have a wife, Kimberly, and four children and, um, and love, love working for the Diocese of Crookston and love working for uh, Bishop Cousins. Definitely. I bet that was a, a, a real um, a moment of excitement when the announcement was made that he was that the Holy Father was uh, sending him there to uh, be your bishop uh, with, um, w- with the gifts and the talents that he has to bring. Yeah, he really is a, he's a unifier, and um, I can't say enough about him. He's just he's such an incredible uh, pastoral bishop and... Um, just to, from our morning meetings to playing frisbee golf or frisbee football with the kids at camp, he's just something else. So, yeah, we're very blessed to get to work for him and with him. Fantastic. And just to give people an idea, you know, geographically, there are six dioceses in Minnesota, and uh, the Diocese of Crookston may be, you know, less populated than many others, but uh, there is quite a bit of territory, you know, from uh, Halleck to Detroit Lakes or from um, the Fargo-Moorhead area all the way up uh, to Baudette. There's uh, quite a bit of territory within that diocese, isn't there? Yeah, there's some, uh, there's a few long days of travel every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now, um, speaking of travel, there are a lot of folks, either with their individual parishes or with their dioceses or otherwise, who are um, marking July of this year on their calendars for the National Eucharistic Congress. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about uh, that event and uh, what those who are going to be there uh, can expect? Yeah, so the National Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis, uh, July 17th through 21st, 
is um is kind of a uh, a marker, a, a significant marker, pinnacle moment during the uh, um, National Eucharistic Revival. You know, we started out with the diocesan year, and we're right in the middle of the the parish year. And um, the Congress in Indianapolis marks the um, that pivotal moment where where that parish year ends and the mission year uh, begins. And so, uh, we're expecting close to eighty thousand people, eighty thousand. Uh, to descend on Indianapolis for that uh, four-day Congress, and um, and it should be a, an incredible event. Just I, I'm excited. We're we're actually in my office. We're uh, we uprooted a, a high school summer camp and decided to take it on the road. And so uh, we'll be traveling with in um, with my colleagues. We'll be traveling uh, with high schoolers down to down to the um, Congress, so. Fantastic. And uh, Indianapolis, um, for those who have been part of National uh, Catholic Youth Conferences, NCYC, in the last several years, um, really works well for a large uh, event like that. You have um, Lucas Oil Stadium where the Indianapolis Colts play, and then just across the street is a very large convention center. So uh, there should be not only the infrastructure to accommodate it, but the relatively central location so that um, uh, a lot of people will not have all that far to go uh, in order to get there. Yeah, it's really set up night for nice for conferences. Um, I've been to many NCYC events there, and and they do a great job in Indianapolis. So mm-hmm. it's nice to know the territory as well before taking a group there. Right, right. So um, uh, tell us a little bit about what you're anticipating. You just mentioned with um, whether it be the high school group or other basic uh, pilgrims to uh, get on a bus, to uh, head there, to experience it as a group and then be invigorated. Um, you know, what what are you kind of, what specific things are, are you looking forward to or are you anticipating with, with that experience of the Congress? Um, honestly, I... Um I'm expecting and looking forward to and hoping uh, for lives to be changed. I, I truly, I just have this um, deep sense that uh, God is going to be doing some incredible things, and He already is with the revival. It's His revival, and um, and the Spirit is is working overtime in the hearts of the faithful, and um, and I just uh, I just really believe that uh, this is going to be a pivotal moment in the history of the United States Catholic Church. And so, especially with the young people, I, I'm just so excited for them to see, um, you know, their church just so alive and, and so committed uh, to each other and so devoted and committed to the Eucharist. And um, I just, yeah, I just think this is, the time is right <laughs> uh, yeah. for this Congress, for this revival. And I know a lot of folks have, you know, maybe have, that have started a little bit late in this process have kind of, you know, uh, shared a little bit of, of anxiety, like, oh my gosh, you know, it's like, it's already the parish year and I haven't really done anything. And, and I just tell people it's, it's not a three-year revival, it's an eternal revival, mm-hmm. you know, and there's, you know, now is as great a time as any. <laughs> Start so, wherever you are, right? <laughs> yep, exactly. And, um, and I just, yeah. And I, Granted, in my position, you know, I'm, it's a privilege to get to be able to witness those encounters, uh, especially with the young people, um, and and those give me a lot of hope. 
and go give us and our entire office a lot of hope but i i just think the church has <clears throat> every reason to have great hope uh for what's happening right now and what's about to happen that's going to be an extraordinary event uh, again July 17th through 21st in Indianapolis and definitely if you could just uh, speak to what you're anticipating in the local parish level when some of these participants come back and how their uh, the, the, their experiences can really help energize the people who weren't there but experience that um, maybe a newfound or reinforced love that these folks have uh, for our Lord in the Eucharist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things about the revival is that it's not just building up to a Congress, but it's building up to a movement. And one of the things I'm most excited about is that, you know, at the closing Mass at the National Eucharistic Congress, we're going to, um, or the, the bishops will commission uh, all the pilgrims there uh, to be missionary disciples, Eucharistic missionaries that take um, what they've experienced to take that encounter and to bring it back into their parishes, to their diocese, to their families, um, to the corners of the world, you know. Um, and it's really, mm-hmm. uh, if you think of that, like 80,000 people touched, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. And what that can do for the church when those 80,000 people return home and mm-hmm. uh now bishop cousins earlier this morning was telling us about the uh, star of the north um event that will be happening in mid-may and which will be essentially the launching of one of these four eucharistic pilgrimages that are going to be uh, crisscrossing uh, large parts of the nation so um uh tell us a little bit uh, uh, about that and um that uh, lake itasca state park i believe is the uh, origin point with the headwaters of the mississippi and uh, that pilgrimage will continue for about two months, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah there's there's uh, four routes on um, the pilgrimage. The first one uh, begins at um, in New Haven, Connecticut. Um, the second one at Brownsville, Texas. And then San Francisco is the western uh, branch of it. And then right here in northern Minnesota, we'll have the uh, northern route, the Marion route, uh, mm-hmm. which will open with mass on uh pentecost sunday um and then there will be a procession down to the headwaters a blessing and then the national procession will begin from there that will be an exciting event and uh, again uh from the uh, 17th through the 19th of may um with the uh, conference itself taking place at the sanford center in bemidji which is only uh, for those of us in the grand cities just a two hours drive so it's uh, closer than uh, a lot of people may realize uh, depending on wherever you happen to be so we are visiting with bob noel from the diocese of crookston and we'll continue our discussion about the eucharistic revival and the national eucharistic congress after this break you're listening to real presence live Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo Di Filippis of St. Luke Productions. Belief in the Personal God. This saying, I believe, is a conscious act of the self. 
an act in which the will and the understanding, the teaching and the guidance I have been given are all cooperatively involved. This act comprehends the trusting or, if you like, reaching out, transcending our own limits, turning toward God. And this act is not just a matter of relating to some higher power or other, but to the God who knows me and who speaks to me. In that sense, he is someone who can speak and who can listen. That, I think, is what is essential about God. Nature can be marvelous. The starry heaven is stupendous. But my reaction to that remains no more than an impersonal wonder because that, in the end, means that I am myself no more than a tiny part of an enormous machine. The real God, however, is more than that. He is not just nature, but the one who came before it and who sustains it. And the whole of God, so faith tells us, is the act of relating. That is what we mean when we say that he is a trinity, that he is threefold. Because he is in himself a complex of relationships, he can also make other beings who are grounded in relationships and who may relate to him because he has related them to himself. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat, and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories, and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live on a Thursday. Father James Gross joining you from the Diocese of Fargo as we are talking about the National Eucharistic Revival. Now, we have a lot of different variety of listeners. There are some of you who have been with us very faithfully for many years, and and we're so grateful for you. There are many others who may be stumbling upon our uh, media content and our station, um, you know, who have haven't been listening very frequently beforehand and you may not be as familiar with some of the terminology that we're using here as we talk about the eucharistic revival so we uh you know want to speak in a little bit more basic terms kind of on a first person basis about some of this as well as the main events too and we have bob noel with us uh, in our fargo studio as he uh, works with the diocese of crookston let's just kind of put a bow on uh some of the specific things that uh are coming up with the uh, Star of the North Conference in May. What are some of the the highlights in terms of uh, speakers or uh, things on the schedule that uh, that that are really standing out to you? Yeah, it's going to be a great weekend. Um, it'll begin Friday night. We'll have Bishop Robert Barron uh, will be the keynote that night. We'll have adoration uh, opportunities to go to confession, and then Saturday um, we'll open up with mass. With um, I believe there's going to be nine bishops from. Um, the Region Eight, uh, or the you know the Minnesota and the and the Dakotas that are going to be um, celebrating uh, with Bishop Cousins and Archbishop Hebda and Bishop Felton, and um, and then uh, Saturday we have a great lineup of speakers as well: Father Mike Schmitz, uh, Sister Jude, Andrew Link. Um, we've got for families we've got a track uh, Saints Alive. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but 
man mm. if you're not okay. check out the podcast it's incredible and uh so we've got saints alive doing a live show in a breakout room we've got christina lamas from uh the national federation for catholic youth ministry um she'll be doing a spanish track bishop cousins presentation will be actually bilingual <laughs> and so we're really um just very excited about the lineup that we have and then on the evening of saturday um to to celebrate pentecost we're going to have um a pretty pretty awesome fireworks show over lake bemidji and uh so it'll be friday and wrap up friday and saturday and then sunday uh we'll begin with mass at um lake itasca state park uh that mass will lead to the to the procession um yeah yeah very good so is um as fired up as Bemidji State hockey fans tend to get in that uh, venue, let's be every bit as fired up, if Absolutely. not more so, <laughs> when it comes to the Star of the North um, uh, Eucharistic uh, event that happening there in Bemidji. And um, please uh, keep, you know, for those of you who are perhaps uh, closer by, if the Eucharistic pilgrimage route is coming through your city or town or somewhere nearby, please keep your eyes and ears open um, and, uh, you know, rely on the diocese and, and and local parish level uh, information so that you can be a part of that and uh, be uh, offering your prayer and witness as well. Um, so, uh, Bob, one of the things that I was interested in here, we can talk about these official events and how wonderful they're going to be. The Eucharistic Revival has been underway for a good couple of years now with various phases. And... Um, you know, when you're hearing about bishops and priests witnessing to what it means to them, that's helpful. But uh, a first-person perspective from a, a guy in the pews, a family man, a lay employee of the diocese, uh, could really be helpful as well. So I was just looking forward to hearing maybe some anecdotes or ex experiences of what the Eucharistic revival has meant to you so far and what ways it has really impacted you and your faith. Yeah, I'll share a couple. Um, the first that I think of is um, uh, last year during the first year of the revival, uh, Bishop Cousins wanted to do these uh, monthly mercy hours uh, across the diocese. And um, those have been really profound events. And uh, there's an opportunity um, at those mercy hours for people to, to be able to uh, receive a blessing and then pray before the monstrance. Um, and it's every, I shouldn't say everyone, but so many people <laughs> have shared how much they've been, been impacted by that mercy hour. Um, and so we continued them this year and we'll be continuing them next year, uh, every month in a different parish in the diocese. And, um, and another uh, story I think of right away is uh, at summer camp. Uh, we run a summer camp up in Bemidji uh, every year. Actually, two camps. One is for middle schoolers. One is for high schoolers. And um, a few camps ago, uh, Father Matt Schmitz, who is uh, the pastor up at Sacred Heart in East mm -hmm. Grand Forks, he was our our spiritual, spiritual director. And at the beginning and of camp... And serves as vocation director, too. For and vocation, yes. Yep, yes. Yeah. Just a wonderful man. And... Uh, Anyway, he had, at the beginning of camp, he had shared with the youth um, that he and the seminarians would be getting up to do a holy hour at uh, 5 a.m. every morning, and they were welcome to join them. And you could hear, you know, the moans and the groans, and you could hear the comments <laughs> like, no way, like, who's going to get up that early? 
And so that first day, um, I think they had like eight kids get up and hmm. participate, you know, and take part, pray the holy hour with the seminarians and Father Matt. And then just watching those kids talk with their peers about how powerful it was. Um, by the next day, second day of camp, we had 16. By the third day of camp, we had over 30. And on the last day of camp, we had almost the entire camp, like 65 kids, um, wow. up early, early in the morning after they had been up late at night. You know how camps go. Right. Um, just quiet before the Eucharist. And uh, it was so profound. And it just was a, it was a real realization to me that, uh, you know, where is the Spirit really moving? And, and I just think there's such an openness in our youth right now to, uh, and a desire to know Jesus in the Eucharist. And, um, and what's been really cool about that is that so many of those kids have, have just gone really taking, you know, leadership roles in their parishes and uh, throughout the diocese and um, mm-hmm. are just really hungry. They come to our, we run uh, high school retreats throughout the year and they, they come back for those and they just, they want more and there's just a real strong hunger. And so um, I give all credit to Jesus, you know, like I, I know yeah. Bishop Cousins talks about like, you know, sometimes you don't have to make it so complicated. Just put people before Jesus in the Eucharist, you know, and, and it's, I was just going, I was just going to say that if the moral, if there's any moral to the story, so to speak, of what you've been sharing, it's that we don't have to make it overly complicated, you know, just place a place, our Eucharistic Lord upon the altar and invite people to encounter him, you know? Yeah. You know, I have this, um, this image that has come to me so often in prayer and it actually is, kind of about, um, you know, where the church has been, where the church is, where the church is going. And, and I think of, like, the Congress. And, um, you know, uh, Satan is, just think, what's, what's his craft since the beginning of time? He's been, uh, he's been deceiving, he's been lying, he's been dividing, and he's been mm-hmm. scattering, you know. And, and I feel like as a church in the Western world, we're just kind of like still reeling from a, like what happened, you know, this great exodus from the pews. And it just seems like we have been in many ways, a scattered church. And, um, and I think of this revival and I, you know, especially with the procession, uh, like Jesus, you know, um, the procession coming from four corners of the country and, um, descending on Indianapolis and on that Wednesday night of the Congress, uh, you know, processing in after his long journey across the country. Yeah, and in fact, uh, one of the websites refers to those various routes as our national Emmaus. Yeah. And I, I think that's just a beautiful image to invoke. Yeah, and I just think like, you know, as as Jesus is moving to Indianapolis, I picture people just out of curiosity, just following this subtle invite making their way to Indianapolis and then experiencing, you know, encountering him in the Eucharist. And then that church is going back out into the world as a sent church, not a scattered church anymore. We're a sent church. And I just, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. It's like, I cannot wait. And yet I know we have to live in the presence, but I just, like I said, I think God has 
big things in store. And I, I, we have to believe that in faith, that this revival is here, it's now for a reason. And, yeah. um, and trust, I, another image that's been coming up, and I'd read it or heard it on a podcast recently, but standing before God is with a Dixie cup asking for his graces, but God is Niagara Falls. <laughs> so I, I keep picturing myself, um, you know, in front of, or standing under Niagara Falls with a Dixie cup. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's how we have to, uh, th- know, that's just, our, yeah, that's how from, we're from often, <laughs> kind of from often left field here. That reminds me of a, of an analogy that I've heard from uh, the now retired football coach uh, of Alabama, Nick Saban. He uh, tells the story uh, often his um, childhood in West Virginia, he would see this man go fishing down along the river. And what uh, confused uh, young Nick Saban is that he was throwing the larger fish back and he was keeping the smaller ones. And so one day he worked up the courage to ask this man from his hometown, yeah, I don't understand why you don't keep the larger fish. And then the guy said to him in his southern drawl, well, well, son, I only got but a nine-inch frying pan. (laughs) (laughs) So kind of the theme about it is, is your frying pan too small in other words are you limiting um what you could achieve what you could become um un unwisely and uh, i just happened to think of that when you were talking about um our capacity for receiving the lord's grace yeah and just for the record i'm actually Mm -hmm. sitting in the fargo studio with an alabama sweatshirt on i'm the biggest alabama fan in the world so thank no you for kidding. referencing the great nick saban <laughs> see that was that that was the holy spirit absolutely working. roll tide yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well very good bob noel thanks so much for taking the time to visit with us and um let's uh keep one another in prayers for safe travel and for uh, a most uh, fruitful eucharistic congress and for the star of the north the eucharistic uh, conference coming up in your diocese later this spring thanks could i share that website and the please invite? Do. yeah and we would love people we tickets are selling uh pretty fast but it's crookston eucharist.org and that if you get to that website that'll tell you everything you need to know about the star of the north congress may 17th and 18th preceding the uh procession yep. the marian route on may 19th Th- that's really as bishop cousin said that's the way to go the route through your diocese in order to have them help uh, get everything squared away and registered so yeah. thank you very much bob blessings to you and your family you too thanks father okay well when we come back we'll be talking about some of the important events of the day eric salmons will be joining us from cincinnati and we'll have that conversation right after this you're listening to real presence live This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Good day to every one of you who are listening to Real Presence Radio. This is Father Wilhelm. I'm a priest of the Diocese of Fargo, and I'm assigned at St. Joseph's Catholic Church. And one of the things that I have found in my assignment is that I wanted to become more friendly to get to know St. Joseph more. And one of the things in just in Joseph's name, J-O-S-E-P-H, if you take that name, Joseph is just. O, that he's obedient. S, that he was silent. E, that he's an example. P, that he was a parent, the parent, the foster parent of Jesus. And H, husband of Mary. What a wonderful thing to imitate this good, holy man that the Father in heaven chose for his foster father here on earth. And so, 
Have a devotion to St. Joseph. Come to know him. Come to know his intercession as he brings us and leads us always ever more closely in a relationship with the Holy Family. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic with Bible Study. The sacraments of matrimony and holy orders are sacraments of service, which means they are directed towards the salvation of others. Through holy orders, a priest gives himself to the church through service to the faithful. Through marriage, the spouses give themselves to one another in service and love. Popular thought tells us marriage is for emotional or romantic fulfillment alone, but the Church, in her wisdom, calls us to something much greater, a communion of life and love. This holds true also for the sacrament of holy orders. A priest does not become a priest for personal fulfillment. He is consecrated for the sanctification of the body of Christ. The church is fortified and consecrated through these sacraments of service. Whatever your vocation, how can you deepen the way you serve those around you today? Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace, power, purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. 